Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want, instead of who you've been telling yourself you need to be. I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in to find out how you can start doing what you love to in slow, easy steps each week. Let's dive in now. Welcome back, Savvy Souls. Well, today is episode 100. I feel like there should be balloons uh, rising up into the air or something, some kind of celebration. Anyway, it's been fun to be with you so far, and I hope we're together for the next 100 episodes. Today, we're going to talk about taking small leaps. I think there's a pressure out there to take big leaps. The idea that to be true to yourself, you need to take giant leaps forward, kind of like uh, the the men landing on the moon, one step forward for mankind. We think what we do has to have this huge gravity to it, that if we're going to follow our dreams, that this is what we need to do. I sometimes worry that that's the impression my own story gives that I leapt from being a lawyer to being an artist. And that's what you need to do too, to follow your dreams, to take yourself in the right direction, to need to take a big leap like that. And that's absolutely not true. I think big leaps are pretty rare. And more than that, they're not often what they seem big transitions, even like mine, or kind of instant successes you see in social media, the instant transformations everybody talks about. When we find out what the details are, we can often recast them as a series of what I'll call small leaps, a series of small crossroads where you choose between fear and discomfort and growth. I'm thinking right now of Lewis Howes. I think probably a lot of you know him. He has this podcast called The School of Greatness. He's internationally known, uh, well-recognized public speaker and thinker about personal development issues and a real leader in the field. And his podcast is wildly popular. So... Lewis, when he went to school, had a lot of trouble. He was, I think it was, he said he was dyslexic, but it was something like that. He had some kind of reading difficulty and that made it really tough for him in school. He didn't do well. He talks publicly about how when he had to stand up and read in front of the class, when teachers called upon him to read a passage, how terrible it was. And when he was in high school, he was high school, he was still reading at a grade two level. Anyway, he decided that he wanted to learn how to do salsa dancing. Dancing was also something that he was afraid of, and he wanted to become better at it. And when he took salsa dancing, he met a guy who told him about Toastmasters, which for those of you who don't know about Toastmasters, it's a really informal group that 
You get together when you're wanting to public speak, you want to get more comfortable with public speaking, and you get lots of chances to practice public speaking. You get encouraged and you get comments about how you speak and you learn it there. So kind of a terrifying thought. And Lewis decided to try it out. He tried it out and he went every week to Toastmasters for a whole year. And at first it was terrible. At first he could barely talk and he just read his speeches. And eventually with the practice, he got better until by the end of the year, he was an accomplished public speaker. And now he's a worldwide known accomplished public speaker. Lewis could have decided, hey, public speaking isn't for me. He could have decided, hey, when I stand up to speak, people make fun of me and it feels terrible. But he decided to do it anyway. Why? Well, because there was a desire in him to overcome his fear because he wanted to be on stage. He had dreams about what could happen if he were on stage. So he knew he'd have to go through some discomfort and he did it anyway. What I love about Lewis's story is that his decision to join Toastmasters and face his fear of public speaking was the kind of life-changing small leap that I'm talking about today with you. Savvy souls, you can build an extraordinary life by taking a series of small leaps, a series of you facing fear and acting anyway. The $1 million question, or really two questions, is, is this the time to take a leap? And also, is this the right leap? So let's talk around that. Let's talk about some relevant aspects of this kind of decision. So the first thing I want you to know is fear is there for a reason. The old part of your brain, the some people call it the reptilian part of your brain, its main focus is to keep you alive. And the way it used to do that was make you afraid to do things that were life-threatening. When I say the way it used to do that, I mean like in with your ancestors in prehistoric times, if you went out of the cave too far, you could get eaten by a lion. So your senses were alert for things that could go wrong. But in modern society, sometimes the fears are still valid and totally make sense and we should listen to them. But in other times, it's just our nervous system is being triggered. Our brain is senses uh, alarm very easily and thinks that any kind of change we make is scary. And really what our brains want is to keep us safe. They don't care about our personal feeling of fulfillment or enlightenment. So they kind of discount that and they just focus on keeping our physical body alive. So fear is there for a reason and there are times it's worth listening to. So that leads me to my second point. As humans, as a human, you need to have your basic needs met. Things don't always work out. There's actually a lot of failure on our paths to greater things. Failure happens, I think, when you talk to almost any really wildly successful person, 
or really any successful person, they have probably experienced a lot of failure as they've taken their path forward and they've learned from their mistakes. But it's also helpful to have and to know that you've got the resources you need. So before you take a big leap, you need to look at your financial resources. Do you have a a safety net? Do you have the skills to get another job quickly if this thing doesn't turn out? What do you have to fall back on? Do you have other people with resources who could help you if you got into problems? Also, do you have the emotional resources at this time? Any kind of change that you make takes courage and requires you to keep going in the face of fear and in the face of discomfort. So do you have the emotional resources to do that? There's lots of tools you can learn, lots of things I talk about here on this podcast. Do you have those emotional resources already? Do you have the resilience to keep going? There's no failure if you keep going, right? But if you stop in the middle, you can learn some things, but you might also feel that you failed. Related to all of this is also your appetite for risk. We all have different appetites. Some of, some of us are totally fine with huge levels of risk. Some of us aren't fine with any risk. You've got to know what your appetite is for risk. Also, know that fear will always tell you that you can't do this. This relates back to my first point about being fear being here for a reason. So your brain is inclined to say any change is scary. Any change isn't going to work out. So your brain's always going to exaggerate all the things that can go wrong. So keep that in mind when you're evaluating the costs and benefits of proceeding. Know that your brain is going to tell you that you can't do it and evaluate what it says from that perspective of knowing that it's inclined towards fear. The other thing to consider is really feel into your body. Your body, I think your body has a greater wisdom. And I've seen that with a lot of clients, in my own experiences with the people who take this stuff deeply. And your body is wise. It knows what's really important to you. I think it's kind of at a soul level, the knowledge in your body. So what I would say is notice when things percolate, notice the ideas that keep emerging, keep reappearing, won't go away when you dismiss them, keep coming back. Notice when you're thinking about something, feel whether there's a resonance. You're not thinking intellectually, you're thinking about the resonance with something. How does it feel when you think about it? Does your body light up? Do you feel this connection? Do you get glimpses of what's possible? So pay attention to what your body knows instead of focusing only on what your mind tells you. When you ignore what your body knows, the issue is you suffer. That's why things keep percolating and insisting that you take note of them. 
This next point I want to talk about is the meaning of courage. I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm courageous because of the kind of decisions that I've made, some of the bolder decisions I've made. And what I want to emphasize is having courage does not mean not being fearful. It doesn't mean being braver than most. It doesn't mean being less scared than most. So I here's one of my word analyses. The word courage from comes from the word cœur, the French word, the French root, which means heart. And if you go back to Middle English, courage denoted, and this is a quote, the heart is at the seat of things. So courage is all about making choices from the deeper part of you, from your heart, the part of you that knows what you want, what you yearn for, what you desire to express or become. And then I would say the last thing I want to talk about is the decision point. How do you know when to make the decision? I think there's a point that happens where the courage that is required for you to act is less than the fear of not taking the leap. So basically the courage required to act is less than the, I would say courage to not act, but it's not really courage. It's just staying in something that feels safe, but ultimately comes with this pain, uh, these bad consequences of not taking the leap. Savvy souls, when there's something you want to do, but you're afraid, when you're looking at a crossroads, one question to ask yourself is, how much do I want this? Do I actually want this? Will this make a big difference in my life? In other words, you want to look at your why. Think about why you want to make this change. How important is it to you? For me, the reason I was able to make the various big leaps I've made in my life was never because I have a huge tolerance for risk and uncertainty. I clearly don't. I'm actually super anxious. What happened was that I eventually got to the place at each crossroads I faced where the risks I faced from not taking the leap were much higher than the risks I would face from making the leap. I knew the leap was going to ask a lot of me. I knew I was going to feel uncomfortable. I knew I'd definitely be facing some discomfort and disappointment. I knew it would be hard. The scared, nervous part of me didn't like any of that. But each time, the risk of not making the change I desired, the discomfort I knew I'd feel staying where I was, seemed way worse than the risks I was assuming by making the leap. Let's talk about what a lot of people probably think of as my biggest leap when I went from tax law to art at a time I'd never painted before. When I made that leap, it might have seemed to a lot of people to be brave or maybe from some perspectives dis disillusional, but I had been waking up every morning for years feeling like I was missing out, feeling like there was something more, worse, feeling like there 
had to be more than life than what I was experiencing. Feeling like there was something inside me I'd been denying that was trying to come out, crying to come out. I didn't know for a very long time what it was, but I could feel it there all the same nagging at me. So I started to pay attention to what lit me up, a beautiful sunset, an art gallery I'd sneak in and visit on a business trip, designing my own garden, having deep conversations with people about things that mattered, understanding what made the people around me tick, taking photos on my family trips when we went to exotic locations. And I also noticed what didn't make me tick, tax law changes, keeping up with what was happening in the business world so I could properly advise my clients. That stuff was fine. It was somewhat interesting, mostly due to the mental challenge, but the truth was I didn't care in the least about it. And I know that now because once I left my firm to become an artist, I never once read a tax article again. I never once followed what was happening in that world. I wasn't the least bit interested anymore. And I've got lots of colleagues who left the firm that continue to do that because they continue to look at tax stuff because they love it. It was their thing and it was great for them. It wasn't great for me, although it did teach me a lot of skills. So I don't regret it, but it eventually became time to leave. The risk of not taping, taking the leap into art that I desired weighed heavily. And on the other side, the feeling I got when I imagined painting was blissful. It filled me up in a way I hadn't felt for years. It felt meaningful reasons I couldn't describe or articulate. articulate. And also, it's true that the risks I was taking were not actually catastrophic. Whatever happened, I knew I wouldn't be homeless. I knew I had the skills and resources to live comfortably enough. I knew I'd be okay with scaling back financially or with getting another job if I needed to. I was okay with having less money and more time, more space to be devoted to what mattered to me, more contentment, and I also knew the feeling of fulfillment I'd gain from refocusing on art. So I made a calculus, but it wasn't a, hey, I'm going to risk everything calculus. It was, this is really what I want to do, and I'm willing to let go of everyone else's expectations about me and what I should do calculation. It was, hey, if I do this and fails, I, I can make it work out and I'll still be glad that I tried. Calculus. It was uh, the risk of me feeling perpetually that there's something more and not acting and regretting it when I die. Calculus. My big leap could be seen as just another step in a series of unrelated decisions I'd made over time to change careers, to move me towards something that felt better, to mentor my teams of people differently than what my accounting employer wanted me to do, to explore new ideas, meet lots of people and explore what they thought, to remain curious, 
to keep traveling, to go to Paris, to dive deep into self-study and learning more about me, to start to explore my creativity, to join a women's club. All of these supported my eventual so-called big leap. Even now in my current life, where I'm living this life that I pursued, where I'm spending my time as an artist and a life coach doing the things I love, I still continue to make small leaps of the kind I'm talking to you about now. I keep, for example, changing the focus of my coaching practice, tweaking it to make it suit me, trying different things and deciding what I like and what I don't like. And also now in the art world, I'm exploring a dramatically different kind of art. I'm moving from abstract art to landscapes, which is a pretty big switch. So I'm constantly changing and making decisions that bring me closer to where I know I want to go, where I want to be right now. And I know that can change. And each time I make a change like that, I'm faced with the usual fears and doubts and resistance to the idea at first, but then the idea continues to percolate until I notice it's coming from my heart and I don't think it's going to go away based on my past experience. And eventually I reach that crossroads where I know I'm going to do it or I'm going to give it up. So like Lewis Howe's facing his public speaking fears, I know it's going to feel uncomfortable and I decide I'm going to do it anyway because it's going to feel way more uncomfortable if I don't do it. Only you, savvy souls, know when you've reached a crossroads and when it's time to act. There's not a single person in the world who can tell you, not your friends, not your boss, not all the interested parties around you because the best Way to know is to go into your heart and feel what it's telling you. So all I can tell you is to listen to your heart, which as I defined before from Middle English is at the seed of things. Listen to what keeps bubbling up for you, what desires want you to take action. Then assess whether your nervous system can handle it, whether the inevitable risks are worth it to you. Assess what emotional and financial resources are available to you. Evaluate the risks of taking that step and of not taking that step. Once you decide a step is right for you, expect it to be uncomfortable. Expect to feel afraid because your brain's not going to like the change. Expect to fail some of the things that you try, but to keep going and to learn and to figure it out to keep going and make it work. Start when you know that you'll be afraid and yet you'll also know that it's still worth it to keep going. So I wish for you in 2023, Savvy Souls, find your own courage. Find the way to your own heart. Let your heart guide you forward in small leaps that help you build your extraordinary life. See you next time. Bye now. 
So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.